You're listening to Orlando Impact, a podcast dedicated to shining the spotlight on purpose-driven leaders in our city. Here's your co-host, Andy Young. Welcome to Orlando Impact. My name is Andy Young, your co-host of the show. I'm one of the financial advisors at the Life Wealth Group. We're here today with Nick Janoski, the development officer at Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Florida. Nick, thanks for being here. I'd love for you to share a little background on yourself. Uh, Well, thanks, Andy. Glad to be here and thank you for having me. You know, background on myself, um, I actually went to college to be a physical therapist to start. And while I was there, I, I decided that that wasn't the path for me. So being an Eagle Scout, I got drawn to the world of nonprofits and Eventually, as I explored that, you know, uh, became a an executive for the Boy Scouts in Kansas City, where I went to school. And while I was there, I uh, made the decision to move to Florida to be closer to my parents. And at that time, I got an, I got a job with the Children's Home Society of Florida. Continued my fundraising career there. A couple changes later, I recently moved to Orlando to work for the Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Florida. And here I am. So working out in West Orange County. Fantastic. So obviously with, with hearing with that path that, that you took, that a big focus for you has been uh, with children's organizations. So being able to give back and, and help build the future for other people with increased fundraising, public relations along that. So uh, tell us a little bit more kind of what does that look like when you're helping build these organizations and trying to, to raise fundraising? For, how, how does that work? It works differently at different organizations. And I think one of the things that is kind of infusing the social service side of the nonprofit world, and when I say the social service side of the nonprofit world, universities, museums, hospitals have been doing this for a long time. And social services has always kind of focused on a different type of fundraising. And so now a lot of social service organizations are moving the needle over to what we call more donor-centered fundraising. And what does that mean? It means building relationships with donors, learning more about how they want to change their community. And then as a development officer, as a fundraising professional, giving them the tools to make that impact. And, you know, instead of asking for somebody to donate you know, money for clothes or food or shelter, ask them to donate money to change someone's life and, and tell that story. And so we're getting better at it. We, uh, we rely heavily on volunteers, our, our board members to help us make those connections and help us tell that story. And so we could not do it without them. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of in a nutshell what my job is. So you mentioned earlier that you got started on this path because you were a Boy Scout. You, you had your Eagle Scout, which we've got that in common. Eagle Scout. Oh, there you go. There that. you go. So, but what was it that drove you that you said, you know what? I, I love the servant mentality. I want to be able to give back and create a future for others. You know, I think for me, I didn't see any other, any other way of life. I mean, even when I went, even when I was, had the direction of physical therapy, I mean, the idea was is to make impact in people's lives, whether that's helping an athlete get back on the field or, you know, a parent be able to go for a walk with their child again. And so I didn't see any other way of life. My parents are, are devout Catholics. My dad's a Catholic deacon. And so 
you know, that's how we were raised to have that servant mentality. So nonprofits and fundraising obviously comes with challenges and struggles. I, I know a lot of people that I've spoke to recently with changes in tax law and things like that. The people that were more generous in the past, maybe not as generous now, not because they don't want to be, but maybe they're not seeing the impact. But tell me about some of the challenges and struggles that you've seen through your time in this this area. Yeah. You know, to be honest, in, in my experience, the, the changes in tax laws and things over time haven't really impacted fundraising as I do it, as I work on it. Certainly, you know, if someone doesn't want to give, they may use that as an excuse, you know, for whatever reason, you know, maybe, maybe they just gave to somebody else and, you know, maybe, maybe they love your, your mission, but they just gave to somebody else and they kind of use that as an excuse. I think the biggest challenges I see in our field in human services, social services, you know, I kind of touched on it before is we haven't been sending the right message. The American way of charity has always been kind of that focus on food, shelter, clothing, which is all great. It's all needed when people don't have that after, after an emergency or, or something of that nature. Um, but with what human services really needs to go to is explain what impact we make to change someone's life permanently. So how do we do that? Well, we make sure kids have access to education. We make sure they have access and the opportunity to succeed in education. And we make sure they have access to career. Now, that doesn't always mean college. It could, but it, maybe it's just identifying a skill they have in a trade and they can go to vocational school. You know, perhaps it's a perhaps it's a passion to help others. Well, maybe it's identifying public service as a police officer or fireman as a path for them. So I think the biggest challenge we have to overcome is that mentality that, well, I do my charity by by just feeding or clothing or giving people shelter. There needs to be a bigger investment in academics, in mental health, and it, it's overcoming that desire to to just do those other things. And so I think that's the biggest challenge I see our society as a whole facing in that arena. So you've been doing this for a while now, that, that you've been out in this the, the fundraising efforts, out in this charitable organization. It's kind of been the, t- the turning point on your journey that you said, wow, I can see that this is really making a difference. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because certainly on a on a day-to-day basis, you get bogged down in all the daily tasks you have to do. And I bet that's the case in every job that you're, you know, you do question whether you're making a difference or not. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to ignore my past experiences, but in, in my current role at Boys and Girls Club of Central Florida, I think what's really been neat is you know, I'll be out in the community wearing my Boys and Girls Club shirt or with my Boys and Girls Club folder. And, you know, I'll be sitting there eating and, you know, and the owner of a restaurant will come by and say, you know what, I was in the Boys and Girls Clubs. And this is what the difference it made in my life. You know, and it's not necessarily people from Orlando. You know, it's just, you know, they may have moved here from from New York or or wherever else they moved from. And, you know, so hearing those testimonials directly from people that were impacted either in a minor way or maybe in a more significant way, you know, is, makes all the difference in the world. And certainly, you know, I you know, certainly I saw that at the 
Boy Scouts when I worked there, you know, with people coming up to me, you know, we had, we had, you'd, you'd hear stories about people saying that, you know, they became a, a rocket scientist because they were at Boy Scout camp when they, and, and the camp director woke people up in the middle of the night to come to the dining hall to, to listen to the moon landing, you know, you know, so that was something that stuck in his mind being at summer camp, listening to that, you know, at, at Children's Home Society, we had people coming, oh, I adopted my son or my daughter from Children's Home Society. And you can see that, you know, how grateful they were that there were people working in my field that made that possible for them. And so, you know, so I think those are the things, all the things that you hear when people are appreciative that, you know, make my job worth doing. So you, you mentioned talking about influence and act in people's lives al- along the way and the difference that organizations like this can make. So along the, those same lines in your life, who's been the biggest influence? Great question. And, you know, I think it, you know, I think I mentioned them before, you know, and I think it's a, it's an answer probably people give a lot, you know, certainly my parents, you know, we, as kids learned about service and, you know, we were encouraged to do that. It was never a forced thing, but we were encouraged to do it. So certainly them, we've had some influential people on the professional side too, that have been part of, that have been part of my life. When I moved to Jacksonville and started working for Children's Home Society initially, you know, back, you know, 15 years ago now, you know, my, my supervisor there named David Clark, he's an executive director for an agency down in downtown Jacksonville. Now he was always encouraging us to, to learn more, to take on new tasks and let us fail enough that we learned something, but never let us fail too much that we became discouraged. So he was very influential. There's another gentleman here in Orlando who became the, the, the chief fundraising officer for, for Children's Home Society. And now he's the chief fundraising officer at Nemours Children's Hospital. And so, you know, these are people, again, that have encouraged, that encourage you to take a leadership role, gave you the flexibility and the room to spread your wings. Like I mentioned, they give you the, 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 the room to fail, um, but they're always there supporting you as well. And I think that's a key skill for a leader to really, to really learn how much to let somebody fail before you step in. And I think that, you know, those are, those are two people that certainly did that for me. Right. And speaking of those attempts that you're given to fail, I still have a Boy Scout handbook from when I was probably 12 years old that has a hole in the back because I'd forgot the mallet to drive the stakes in. And their scoutmaster said, Remember, you've got to be prepared. And I kept that because it was that be prepared moment. So <laughs> you, you've got to you've got to plan and you've got to actually put in the effort. And that's the reminder to me that you've got to go take Man. care of things. Yeah. Because when you forget them, you need reminders. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, every day we get to interact with purpose-driven leaders like yourself who have made an impact and want to share their story to other people. So if you could go back, Nick, and you could tell yourself one piece of advice at the beginning of your journey, what would it be? I think, I think for me, I think one of the areas where I maybe failed, not necessarily in a task, but just in how I approached my work and approached my job, approached my career, is, is to be patient. Enjoy where you are. Don't become complacent in where you are. But enjoy where you are, enjoying the lesson that you're learning at that time, and and be patient. I was I was always very excited about 
the next opportunity. And when, um, in some cases, when that opportunity didn't work out, I'd get discouraged. But looking back on that 10, 15 years later, I can also see where, you know, I probably wasn't ready for that, for that opportunity at that time. There was a reason why I didn't get that opportunity. And instead of getting upset or discouraged, you know, take the time to learn why that opportunity didn't work out and, you know, be, be patient for the next one. Well, again, we've been talking to Nick Janusky, Development Officer at the Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Florida. Nick, tell us where listeners can find out more information about you and about the Boys and Girls Clubs. Okay. Everybody obviously can go to our website. That website is www.bgccf.org, and uh, they can go there. Obviously, if you just Google Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Florida, that'll get you there too. We have 35 clubs in six counties throughout Central Florida. So if you're in Central Florida, you probably have a club in your neighborhood or close to your neighborhood that you can get involved in. We can set up tours at those clubs. You can see the kids. Um, we're always looking for volunteer tutors, mentors. You know, it's a, it's fun. At the end of your day, you can go to the Boys and Girls Club and play foosball with the kids if that's what you <laughs> want to do, you know. You know, at uh, at one of my clubs, they have one of those giant Connect Four games, right? And you just can play with the kids playing giant Connect Four. And, you know, who doesn't want to do that at the end of their workday, right? <laughs> so, but there's lots of ways you can make a difference. I should also say, if you're in West Orange County, we are actively looking for board members. And so if you want to make an impact in a leadership position, you know, certainly reach out to me as well through the website. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. Until next time. You've been listening to Orlando Impact. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Securities offered only by duly registered individuals through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, MAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM, a registered investment advisor. MAS and the LifeWealth Group are not affiliated entities. AEWM and the LifeWealth Group are not affiliated entities. The LifeWealth Group is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. The LifeWealth Group is not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency.